Summer Serve Day. It's something that we do every year. We have serve groups uh, that meet all over the city throughout the, every week. But one day of the year, we just try to kind of bring everybody together as a huge team. And there are other churches gonna, across our city that are going to be serving as well. And this is just a concerted effort that we have together with other churches to just love on our city. So we have currently eight opportunities that you can get signed up in. So we have uh, groups that are going to be feeding people. We have um, a block party for kids. We have a financial seminar that's going to be going on in that same area to just serve that, um, that, that neighborhood. We have all kinds of groups that are going to be cleaning up, all kinds of just a bunch of different groups. We'd love for you to get connected, get involved. One of the things I want your help with, though, we're having a um, free car clinic for single moms, widows, and uh, military wives. And that's one of the things that we just really uh, had on our heart as a team to, uh, to truly make a difference in. I, I, it's something I've, I've always dreamed of being a part of a church that, um, that, that loves on single moms, widows, and, uh, and military wives. I was raised by a single mom. And I know that just a little bit of help goes a long way. And so we, we, wanna, we want to uh, provide that. So if you're here and that you fit in one of those categories, we would love to just bless you. You can sign up at the, uh, at the table so you can you know, put down what kind of car you have and all that kind of stuff so that we can get the right oil and filters, which I know nothing of, but we have some mechanics on the team that are going to make it happen. And... And also, if you have friends or family members or neighbors or people that you work with that, are, that, are, that this would just really be a blessing to, share it with them. And if you just go to cityhills.com, you'll see right as you pull up the website, you'll see a serve button, uh, just a big graphic. Click on that, and they can register right there for that. Um, so, so that's something I'm so excited about. And uh, I'm excited to see what God does. When it, uh, God always does stuff whenever the church gets out of these walls. Do you know that? That we weren't built for these walls. You know, this is like the huddle. Nobody would go to a UT game if all they did was huddle. Like, we want to see somebody run a play, right? You know, so that's, that's what serve day is. We're running a play together as a church family. So, hey, if everybody, uh, let, let's, let's run this play together. It's going to be great. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series called The Rest of the Story. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the story of our lives and how no matter where you've been in your story, maybe it's been great, maybe everything's going great in your life, or maybe you're in a difficult season of your story. I just, this, this series is going to be all about this, that with God, the rest of your story is the best of your story. Come on. That'll preach all by itself, right? Only like we can go home. The rest of your story is the best of your story. So no matter where you are right now, we can all stand to just continue to become what God's called us to become because he's got a great story for your life. God does not create junk. He didn't create nobodies. He created you full of purpose. He has a great plan for your life. And, and we're gonna be excited. I'm excited to start uh, walking through that together as a church family. Well, grab your message notes. Let's get right into um, um, week four of our series, Mind Monsters. In this series, we've been talking about stewarding the 50,000 plus thoughts that we have every day. Did you know you had that many thoughts a day? 50,000 thoughts. And we've been talking about how we cannot live a positive life with a negative mind. Whenever you, in your worship guide, there should be like a little red bookmark in there. And I mean, we, I mean, we made these this week so that hopefully some of the stuff from the series, you can take this and take it with you. It's got the faith acronym, how to build your faith in your life. Um, it, it also has scriptures on the back that you can take. And man, put, I encourage you, put this in your car whenever, uh, when, whenever you wake up in the morning and you're headed to work. Start, start speaking these 
word, these words over your life. You know, I'm confident of this, that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. For we know that all things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. Like, start speaking what God says about you over your life. And we put some faith confessions in there that you can start speaking these over your life because you cannot have a positive life with a negative mind. We've talked about how our, tra- our thoughts are like trains. They lead us somewhere like a train of thought so i hope after this series when you get on a train of thought you'll check the destination first you know the other day i was i was trying to go to atlanta it's been a little while ago i was trying to go to atlanta and i i was through chattanooga and i had full intentions to go to atlanta but then i kept seeing signs for birmingham and i realized i was on the wrong road I got careless. I got distracted and I got on the wrong road. And you know what? I think sometimes we can get careless and distracted in our minds and we get on the wrong thought. We get on the wrong train of thought and it leads us to a negative place. I want to tell you, if you're on a negative train of thought, it'll never take you to a positive destination. If you're on a negative train of thought, it'll never take you to, the, to the, what God has called you to do. So that's why we're talking about... What we're, we're talking about getting our minds right. And uh, I, I just, uh, this message, I'm so excited to bring it to you because I really believe God's going to set someone free today from the greatest mind monster that tries to attack our lives. It's, I think it's the mind monster of all mind monsters, and that's the spirit of fear. That fear is a spirit, that there's this spirit of fear, like a rogue wave that can overtake your life. Have you ever been just on a great day, just kind of sunny day, everything's great, and then it's just like a spirit of fear, like a rogue wave just overtakes your life, and you, you, you start getting fearful, you start getting anxious, you start getting afraid. It's a spirit of fear, and, and it's a spiritual battle. All this is not just mind over matter. This isn't just good self-help. This is something that is a spiritual warfare that's taking place on the inside of our lives. Let's look at it together in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. Uh, Paul writes this. He says, For we wrestle not uh, against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So there's a spiritual battle that's happening in our lives. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it's in your notes as well. It says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear. That's from the enemy. It's a spirit of fear. But God gives us a power, love, and a sound mind. That's, that's why we're a spirit-filled church because the Holy Spirit in our life, it, it fights the spirit of fear and, and it gives us a spirit of power. I need that power. I don't know about you, that power of God to be able to live the way he's called us to live, power to be able to overcome, love. It's a spirit of love. And then I love this. I'd never seen this until I was studying this, a sound mind. You know, God wants to give you a sound mind. Talking to somebody in the house today, I'm dedicating to this message to someone who you are having a storm in your mind. That there is a storm that's happening on the inside of your mind. And I want to tell you through the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give you a sound mind and give you peace in the midst of the storm. So I want to talk today about someone in the scripture the one who actually wrote these verses in the Bible about a storm that he went through. You know, it's one thing to write these stories. You know, it would be one thing to write, God hath not given us a spirit of fear whenever everything in your life has went great. 
You know, like, oh, it's a wonderful day. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear. He's given me a spirit of sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. But, but I want to show you what Paul walked through to be able to write this. You know, before you can write some things, before you can communicate some truth, you got to walk a little bit on the journey, right? That a lot of times we want just the word, and the word comes at the end of the journey. The word comes after some storms along the way. You know, it, it's something, it's like, it's, like, it's like my grandmother's iron skillet. You know, nothing tastes like, any, you know, there's just something about it. Why? Because it's been through some things, right? And you can't mess with a Christian who's been through some things. You can't mess with a Christian that's, that's, that's been through some trials and been through some storms and, and walked through some trials because they know that no matter what you're going through, God's still in control. Can I get a witness, somebody, this morning? Hope you're going to preach with me. I'm excited to preach today. I want to tell you about a storm in Paul's life. Acts 27, 13. He says, when a gentle wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Have you ever sailed along on the way of life? He said, it seemed like a great opportunity to, to sail that day. But verse 14 says, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. Not a good day. Hashtag bad day. Hashtag the struggle is real. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Has anybody ever been driven along by a storm? Has anybody ever been driven along by the presence of a storm in your life. I, I want to tell you this. Don't let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Just because there's a storm doesn't mean that Jesus is not with you. Paul was on his way to preach the gospel to Caesar himself, the most powerful man on planet earth. And on his way to do his greatest mission, he encounters a storm. I want to tell you, storms are part of the journey. Don't be surprised on the journey to your destiny if there's some storms along the way because God can be good even whenever your circumstance is not good. God can still be on the throne whenever everything is not going great because God never promised a storm-free life. God never promised a stress-free life. He actually promised the exact opposite. Now, this is probably not a verse you have on your refrigerator Probably don't have like a devotional with this verse etched on the front of it in a leather devotional. <laughs> Probably wouldn't sell many of these at the Christian bookstore. But here's a promise from Jesus. <laughs> John 16, I have told you all this so that you will have peace in me. For here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Please try to withhold your worship here. I know that was an encouraging <laughs> promise. I know there's just something you just want to praise God, but just please hold off a little bit. I got some more message to preach. But you know, that's, that's the promise. Along the way, there's going to be storms. And, and, and here's what I want to talk about this morning, is that it's not always God's plan to take you out of the storm. Many times, it's God's plan to take the storm out of you. Many times, it's God's plan to take the storm out of your own life. We want, we want God to take us out of the valley. You know, that's what David wrote in Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk, what? Through the valley. And I don't want to walk through the valley. I don't know about you. I want like a helicopter ride out of the valley. 
I want a helicopter ride with a picturesque view of the valley. And I want to take a picture of it and put it on Instagram of my valley. But you know what? Sometimes God doesn't want to take us out of the valley. Sometimes he wants to take us through the valley. And just because you're in a storm doesn't mean Jesus isn't in your boat. That's what the disciples dealt with in Mark chapter 5. He was in a, they were in a storm. I mean, Mark chapter 4, they were in a storm, and Jesus was in their boat. And they started thinking they were about to sink. And I want to tell you, just because you get soaked along the way doesn't mean you're going to be sunk. <laughs> just because you get soaked with circumstances and problems and stresses of life doesn't mean that God's purpose still isn't going to be fulfilled in your life. Doesn't mean Jesus isn't still in your boat just because you're having a rocky season in your marriage. Doesn't mean Jesus in your boat isn't in your boat just because you got a negative doctor's report. It doesn't mean Jesus isn't in your boat just because you're in a storm right now because he's still in control even in the midst of the storm. See, stress is not the enemy. Stress is part of the journey. I told the men yesterday at our men's breakfast small group that this that, that we need to look for the hill and not the hammock. A lot of times we want to look for the hammock of life, like, God, just take me to that quiet place. <laughs> just give me a hammock on the beach, God. That's the goal. What I've learned is that Timon and Pumbaa were wrong from the Lion King. I'm, I, I just ruined somebody's day right there. But Akuna Matata is not God's perfect, per, perfect purpose for your life. No worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. I want to tell you, on your path to purpose, it's not always going to be easy, but God's going to always be with you. And I just want to encourage somebody, like, put a little bit of fight in you. Because if all we do is go for the easy route, we'll never fulfill our purpose. He, Paul had this big idea. He was going to preach the gospel to Caesar himself. And he was like, I'm not letting some stupid storm stop me from preaching my greatest sermon. I want to tell you, your greatest sermon is ahead of you. Your greatest thing that you've ever done for God, it's ahead of you. So just keep on going in the storm because God's not finished with you yet. Man. I loved Paul's attitude in the middle of the storm. I want to tell you, everything that is worthwhile in life is always uphill. Everything that's worthwhile is always an uphill journey. Jesus had stress. In the garden, he sweat great drops of blood. That's some stress. The disciples had stress. Peter cut a guy's ear off, like made some bad choices. Jesus like, oh, forgive my friend. You know, he's, he's got some issues. Daniel had stress, called a lion's den. You know, you know, great men and women of God dealt with stress. You know, everything that you're going to do for God is going to require a storm along the way. I want to tell you, family has some stress involved. Education has some stress involved. All the students said, amen. If you're going to have a job, it's going to involve some stress. You're going to have a vehicle, it's going to involve some stress. You're going to own a home, double stress. You're going to grow a business. It's going to take some stress. You're going to live out your calling. It's going to take some stress. You're going to grow a church. I want to tell you it's going to take some stress. But I want to tell you it's worth it. Like don't be afraid in the storm. Don't be afraid next time the storm starts blowing in your mind. You just keep your eye on Jesus. Because he's got a purpose in the midst of it. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you four storm survival strategies. When that mind monster of fear tries to grip you in your stormy situation. I want to give you four storm survival strategies from the life of the Apostle Paul for how do you deal with the storms of life. Here's the first one that I think he would say to us is stay in the ship. Why don't you say that with me? Stay in the ship. If you're going to survive the storm, you need to stay in the ship. 
He says in Acts 27, 29, he says, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Verse 30, In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending that they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Paul's with these guys, and they're in a bad situation, and they just kind of, he says they pretend to let some anchors down. I want to say this. Don't act like you're okay when you're not okay in the middle of the storm. Don't pretend to be okay when you're not okay. Here's what I love about City Hills. That's what I love about this place. It's okay not to be okay here. That's why we have groups. That's why um, you you need some people around you that you can do life with. Because you, you need some people, not everybody, but you need a few people that you can tell the secret to. You need some people you can be real with about the storm that you have in your life. I want to tell you the best part about this church is not what happens in this place. The best part is what happens whenever people start sharing life and realizing, you know what, I'm in a storm. I need God to help me. I want to encourage you to stay in the ship. need somebody to look at you. I know your marriage is going through some troubles, but stay in the ship. I know the job, is money's funny. Stay in the ship. I know people are talking about you. Stay in the ship. I know everything's not going the way you thought it would. The mind monsters say just bail out, jump, go in another direction. I'm going to encourage you. Just stay in the ship. That's what he says. He says, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship. Why don't you say, stay in the ship. You cannot be saved. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep fasting. Keep trusting God. Stay in the ship. I, I want to encourage somebody to have this sold-out type mentality when it comes to your walk with God. Like, uh, it's not in your notes, but, but in, in the same passage, verse 31, it says, So the soldiers, they listened to him. And he said, stay in the ship. They said, okay. And watch what they did. It says, the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. <laughs> Here's what I love. These guys were so much into what Paul was saying. They said, you know what? We believe you. We're just going to cut the lifeboats and let it go. Like, we are not living with one foot in and one foot out. I want to tell you, you'll never do anything for God one foot in and one foot out. You'll never do anything for God for just, well, I don't know if I'm going to serve God or not. That's why I love baptism. Because what we're going to see in just a little bit at the end of this, we're going to watch somebody go all in in their relationship with God. That when someone's baptized, it literally says the old has passed away and the new has come. It's like, I want to let the world know I'm burning the ships. Like, I'm not turning around. I'm going to do everything God's called me to do. I'm going to burn the ships. I love it. I, I love um, the, the, the story of uh, Cortez in the 1500s whenever he came uh, to the Mexican border. And, and he, he, was, he, was, uh, he was there to conquer and he was there to overtake. And whenever the people left the boats, he literally set fire to the ships. And they started freaking out. Our leader is crazy. They said... Hey, how are we going to get home? And he said, we'll get home in the boats of our enemies. Oh, that's a hardcore guy. (laughs) Stay in the ship. There used to be this group of missionaries. There was this group of missionaries in the 1800s, early 1900s that opened up literally uh, the middle of South America for the gospel. They went to the Inca people. They went to um, these people in the middle of South America that, um, that did not even, ha- couldn't speak English. They, they, they went to go and they knew they were going to die. They called them the one-way missionaries. And they literally shipped their clothes and their belongings in a coffin 
with them when they went because they knew they would be coming back in the coffin. They knew they would be buried in that coffin. But they had a purpose bigger than their own life. They burned the ships. One such missionary, um, one, one such missionary was, was a man named Jim Elliott. And Jim Elliott said this. He died for the cause of Christ. He died so that people could know about Jesus. And listen to what he said about his own life, about this abandon that he had in his relationship with God. He said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I want to encourage somebody, stay in the ship. Abandon yourself to the call of God. Anchor your life to God's identity and not just God's activity. <laughs> a lot of us anchor our lives to God's activity. Like, oh, I just got to raise. God is good. Anybody can do that, you know? Anybody can praise God whenever everything's going right. It's like an athlete that everybody knows doesn't live for God at all and they win the game. And it's like, what do you have to say about it? Well, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for this win. You know, anybody can thank God for the win. But can you thank him for the loss? Can you stay in the ship when everything's going in the opposite direction and still believe that he's on the throne? Stay in the ship. Anchor your life to God's identity, not just the activity of what he does. Here's the second thing I think Paul would say is focus on the promise. Focus on the promise. He says this in verse 22 of Acts 27. But now I urge you to keep up your courage. So I'm trying to tell someone to do today. Keep up that courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. There's so much preaching here. We could do a whole series on this. You know, just because your ship is destroyed along the way doesn't mean God's not with you. He says, last night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must stand trial before Caesar And God has graciously given you the lives of all that sail with you. So keep up your courage, men. For I have faith in God that it will happen. Why don't you say that with me? It will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island somewhere. He would say, fix your eyes on the promise. Paul said, in the middle of this storm in my life, he says, a matter of fact, last night I saw an angel. And the angel told me, Paul, you're going to preach before Caesar. This storm does not negate your purpose. And he said, I have just came up in my own mind to a decision that God's still on the throne. I'm still making up my mind that I'm going to focus my life on the promise instead of on the problem. What I know is that there's always an opportunity to laugh and there's always an opportunity to cry. At all times, we have a chance to smile and rejoice in life. And at all times, we have a chance to cry and to be sad and to be depressed and to be anxious about life. It's amazing to me is that it's like it's all right there together. On your best day, when everything's going perfect, there's probably something that you could focus on that's negative. But I want to tell you, the key through surviving the storm is instead of focusing on the problem, focus on the promise of God. Focus on the fact that God's still in control even whenever I don't understand it. I love what he says in verse 33. He says, just before dawn, Paul urged them to eat. 
for the last 14 days. He said, you've been in constant suspense and you've went without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. For not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. He told him, he said, get some rest and eat some food. That sounds like a good word to me. You know, here's the reality. That you can either strive in your storm or you can trust God in your storm. And I just want to feel like this is for somebody. You need to rest. You need to be still and chill. You need to understand that God's still on the throne. Take that day off. Take some time and just allow God to be in control. Step down as trying to be the ruler of the universe and just rest in the fact. I wrote this in my notes. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Here's my sneaking suspicion about that verse. Is that many times we don't know that he's God because we refuse to be still. As long as we're trying to work and strive and make everything happen and close every deal and do everything, every da, 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 we don't ever have a chance to realize that he's God. And I am the worst at this. This is, this is what I deal with because I can strive, strive, strive. But you know what? If we can rest in the promise of God, preaching to myself, if I can rest in the fact that God's got it. Why don't you say that with me? God's got it then we don't have to strive. We can rest in the purpose and in the presence of God and know that he's in control. I can strive, I wrote this in my journal this week, I can either strive to create opportunity, which is futile, or I can trust God, be faithful, and seize the opportunities that he brings into my life. Why don't you say, stay in the ship? Secondly, focus on the promise. Here's the third thing. Praise in the process. Praise him in the process. I love this. Acts 27 verse 35, he says, and he said this, and after he said this, he took some bread, and watch this, he gave thanks to God in front of them all, and then he broke it and began to eat. Right in the middle of a storm, he stops and he gives God praise right in the middle of it. I want to tell you that a storm survival strategy is the ability to praise God even in the middle of the storm. He said right in the middle of it, I just, I just want to stop in the front of everybody and I just want to give God some praise and trust that he's in control every step of the way. Uh, I wonder where he learned this from. I got thinking about this because 11 chapters before, he was surrounded by prisoners and he was in a storm. He wasn't in a boat, but he was in a Philip he was, in, he was in a jail in Philippi. He was in a Philippian jail cell. And he was shackled in chains. He was in the inner prison. And it was at midnight, the Bible says, Paul and Silas began to praise and sing praises to God so loud that the prisoners could hurt, could hear them. I want to tell you that your key to surviving the storm and fighting the mind monsters is praise. You can't worry and praise God at the same time. I dare you to try it. <laughs> try to... Try to get worried about something and then start saying, God, you're worthy. God, I thank you that you're in control. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, you start singing. You start, you start giving God praise. When you start doing that, man, the enemy, he just has to run and flee. Why? Because praise is a weapon against the enemy and it opens the prison doors that try to keep you bound. 
Because it says when he started praising, the prison doors were open. Psalm chapter 41 says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Sounds like a mind monster if you ask me. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. You know, sometimes you need a yet praise in your life. You, you, you need a, you know, everything's not going good yet. God's still on the throne. Sometimes, you know, I, did, I got a bad report, yet I still am going to give God thanks. You know, things are not trending in the right direction, yet God is still able. God is still in control. Because praise is a weapon. I think many times we are overcome by mind monsters because we don't, we don't know how to praise God. Uh, a couple first, oh, last, this past first Wednesday, we talked about this. We talked about praise and how in the book of Psalms, there are seven different Hebrew words for praise. And when we read the Bible today, we just see the word praise, like praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. We just read praise, but there's actually seven, if I can count, seven different words that mean praise. One praise literally means to bow in reverence. One praise literally means to twirl about. One praise literally means to shout. One praise literally means to play loud instruments, to pluck the strings loudly. One, one praise, you know, it's all of these different praise. One praise means to lift your hand um, in surrender. One praise means to lift your hand in acknowledgement, like, yes, I am a child of God. All, all of these different words for praise. And we talked about how a lot of times praise is such something that's misunderstood. We think, well, that's not really my personality. I, I'm more of a carry the TV kind of guy, you know, carry the TV. Or, or, or maybe you say, well, my fish is this big. That's how you're praying, my fish is this big. Or maybe you say, touchdown. That's my praise, yeah, touchdown praise. And, and, and we think, what, what, what is this deal with praise? You know, I, I'm not really used to that. I don't know what that's all about. I, I want to I tell you, when you begin to praise God, you know, in, in marriage, what I've learned is that I'm married to someone who doesn't necessarily have my same love language. And if I want to show her love, many times it means getting out of my comfort zone. And it's the same with God. That, that God's love language many times is, is not my, my same love language necessarily. And, and so some of these ways of praising God may seem strange or weird. Like when, it's like, why aren't they clapping their hands? The, the, the Bible talks about the physicality of praise. It says, uh, lift your hands in, in the sanctuary. Lift your heads to God. It says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Why don't we try that together? Why don't you clap your hands to God? Yeah. It's a, it's a physical thing. Uh, 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 Paul wrote, when, doing, when having done all to stand, stand. You know, like the, 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 there's, a, there's an action that's, that, uh, that's with it. Um, you know, David, the Bible says, danced before the Lord. And, and, and a lot of times we think, well, what is all that about? And I, I just kind of have, and this is my, this is my opinion. But, but I, I think, number one, we do that just because God said to. We do that because that's what he said. But here's... Here, here's Here's my hypothesis, so take it for what it's worth. I think many times there's physicality in our praise because it causes us to get out of ourself. And it causes us, it's like it tells our brain, brain, what you see is not the reality, but God's in control. I just I challenge you to do it. Next time you have an opportunity to worship, just get out of yourself a little bit. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not necessarily someone. Close your eyes. I don't know. Worship. Lift a hand or, or bow before God. Whatever, whatever that means for you. But get out of your comfort zone and just watch. It's like it tells your brain, hey, brain, something's about to happen. Hey, brain, God's about to speak to you. 
You know, it's like you can tell when someone, you know, if, if you're kind of, um, you know, if you're sitting somewhere and you're kind of just slouching, Matt, you know, you're just kind of, uh, I don't really want to be here. Versus if you're sitting on the edge of your seat, it's like when you set up, it's like your body telling your brain, you're about to learn something good. And it's like you'll get something out of it. It's amazing. You know, I think about a boxer. I've been, I've been thinking about this illustration all week. Like, you, th- you think about a boxer. You know, what's he doing? Like, you know, the last 10, 15 minutes before the fight, you know, he's, he's up there going like, what would you do if it was like, if, if you were about to watch an Olympic, Olympic boxing match and there's a guy like, it's like two minutes to the, you know, before the match and he's like sitting over there like, Ugh. is it time yet? All right, tell me when it's 30 seconds. And he's just kind of like chilling. What would you think? You'd be like, what's wrong with that guy? What's he doing? He's like, shh, shh. you know, he's up there. Shh, shh. Well, he's, he's been training for months for this opportunity, right? I mean, he didn't just decide to start doing that. What is he doing? What's he doing? He's getting his, he's getting his body and his mind together. He says, hey, 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 mind, you get ready. We're about to, all the things you've been learning, all the things you've been training for, you're about to put it into practice. And I just, oh, I just wish somebody would do that to the enemy sometimes every once in a while and just begin to give God praise and say, brain, you're not going to get to call the shots in my journey, but I'm going to keep trusting God. That's why we worship God around here with, 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 with boldness and, and why we, we sing songs loud to the Lord. That's why we don't apologize for, for lifting our hands or doing all those things. Why? Because in praise, we're praising God in the middle of the process. You know what? Everything doesn't have to be good in your life for you to praise God. God praised himself before creation was even finished. After the first day, he said, he said let there be light. And at the end of the day, he said, it's good. What do you mean it's good, God? There's no animals, there's no people, there's no, like, how could it be good? He says, it's good because it's still part in the process. Yesterday, my son Carter had his three-year-old birthday. And you know what I got thinking? There's a lot of things that kid can't do yet. Like pay, pay rent. <laughs> Change his own diaper, that's a big one. Uh, you know, he, he can't clean, you know, he, he's, he's struggling with the cleaning his own room thing. Picking out his own clothes, feeding himself. You know, I mean, like he's, he, he, he's, he's, he's not doing all the things. You know, he hasn't went to college yet. A little slacker. You know, he hasn't done anything like that yet. But we celebrated our socks off for this three-year-old little boy. And he don't think he got everything like what was happening because I'd say, happy birthday. He'd say, happy birthday, daddy. <laughs> he thought it was my birthday. And if you ask him what his birthday was, is, he'll say his brother's. His brother's five. He'll I'll say, Carter, how old are you? He'll say, I'm five. He just thinks he's the same age. But you know what? Even though he hasn't done all that I know he will do, it didn't stop me from taking a day and just celebrating that little boy. Why? Because I know he's not all that he's going to be, but you know what? He's still my son, and he's still in the process. And you know what? God's got a great plan for that little boy, and I'm going to just, we just took a day, and we're saying, we just celebrate your journey along the way, because next year we know you're going to keep growing, and you're going to keep growing, but we're not going to wait until it's over to celebrate the journey. I want to tell you, don't wait till your journey's over before you start giving God all the worship and all the praise. I know that it's not what it's going to be, but you just give God praise for what it is right now and to know that he's still in control and it may not be finished yet but he's still God in the middle of the storm amen here's the fourth thing that I believe the apostle Paul would tell us is this simply this understand that God can take you to your destination on broken pieces 
Acts 27, 41, he says, The ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The boat struck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken into pieces by the pounding of the surf. Has anybody ever been in the middle of a storm where you feel like the boat is breaking around you? You just have pieces of what you thought it was. Looks like everything around you is falling apart. You feel like you are falling apart and all you feel like you have are some broken pieces. I want to tell you that you can still make it to your destination on broken pieces. Acts 27, 43 says, But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life, and he kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land, and the rest were to get there on planks and on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached the land safely. I want to tell you, You can still make it to your destination on broken pieces. On the broken things of life. We think God's going to take us to our destination on the whole things. We look at our life and we think, well, I I I wish I was further along. God can't use me because of what used to be and what I used to have. And I I just feel like I got a piece of my joy. I just feel like I have a piece of my emotional health. I just feel like I have a piece of my future. I I think about all the people that left me along the way. And I think I I can't ever make it because they left me. And they didn't give me the love that I was supposed to have. And all I feel like I have is pieces. And and, 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 and it's it's nothing special. I I I look and all I see is brokenness in my life. I just want to tell somebody you can still make it on broken pieces. Don't worry about what you've lost, but look at what you got left. See, mind monsters want you to focus on all the things that you've lost along the way. But I want to tell you, God wants you to focus on all the things that you have left. Because if he needed the boat to save you, then he would have let the boat stay together. But just because the boats broke apart does not mean that your life's going to be broke apart too. You can still make it on broken pieces. You can still make it on a broken... Maybe you come from broken family, come from a broken home. You think, you know what, I, I, I got to get some broken things in my family. I, I can't make it. And I want to tell you, God doesn't need what you lost. All he needs is what you got left. That's it. The rest of your life can be the best of your life. You can praise your way to a better day, but you got to do what the scripture says. He said, if you can swim, then swim. So if you can't swim, grab a hold of some broken pieces. I want to challenge somebody in your life to grab a hold of some broken pieces and let God do a miracle in your life. Grab a hold of some of what you got. I just want to do that this, here at the end of this series. The devil wants to put the attention and focus on all of the negative things in your life. I want to tell you, you still got something left. It's not all about what you've lost. It's about focusing on what you have left on the journey. So grab a hold of the broken pieces. I never thought I'd be at the place I am in my life. I want to tell you, just grab on to the broken pieces. I never thought I would, I would, I would ever be at this place financially. Grab on to the broken pieces. I, I never thought I would be living where I'm living today. I want to tell you, grab onto the broken pieces because God can still get you to your destination on the broken pieces along the way. Because Paul did what God had called him to do. 
He survived the storm. And so will you. If we just hold on to the pieces and trust God along the way. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for someone in this place that's dealing with some brokenness, some broken pieces. Maybe you're in a storm right now. Nobody looking around. If you're in a storm, why don't you just acknowledge it before God? Just lift up your hand. Say, yes, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a little bit of a storm right now. I need God to help me. I'm in a storm in my mind. I'm in a storm in my family. I need the Lord to give me some strength. I need the Lord to give me some help. I want to pray for you right now, right where you are. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who are in a storm. Lord, those who are holding on to broken pieces and the mind monsters are telling them it's all over. God, I pray that you would give them strength in the storm to be able to put their hope in you even whenever everything's falling apart. Because you're in control even whenever we don't see it. So right now, give strength. Right now, let your hand be upon. Right now, I pray you bring strength to, to marriages that are in pieces. God, I, bring, I pray you to bring strength to some people that their emotions right now are in pieces. That their careers are in pieces. God, they're dealing with some past hurt and some pain. It's just, just pieces. Lord, help us to see right now that you want to take what we have. You never intended to get us there on what we lost, what it was, what our past was. But God, you're going to get us there on what it is. You're going to get us there where we are because you're the God of the broken pieces in the midst of the storm. In Jesus' name. 